0: Thank you for visiting with us online. And today, my name is Pat Manus, and I am actually an elementary principal. And Jeff has invited me to be able to share with you. And I'm excited to talk to you today about when did my couch to 5K... Become a marathon. Now, many of you know there's a program out there that if you're looking to, uh, to run a, a 5K, you can start on your couch and there are steps along the way to get to a 5K. But somewhere along the way, sometimes in life, that couch to 5K becomes a marathon. So, we're going to talk about how to run the race you never expected to run. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Now, this is a picture of me running with my buddy, Matt. And this was a, after a run of about six miles. We were tired, worn out. And, and when we run sometimes, we'll kind of challenge each other to maybe run longer than we expected. And usually one of us regrets it. And uh, this morning uh, when, when we did this, uh, I was the one that, that had run longer than I really wanted to. And in this couch to 5K, you know, we think about a shorter distance, but what's happened, especially with coronavirus, is we expected it to, to last a short time, and it's lasted so much longer. And for many of us, there are parts of this coronavirus that really mirror some of the big problems maybe we've been facing all throughout our lives. Maybe it's something small that we thought we were gonna be able to easily tackle that became much, much bigger. And in the coronavirus, one of the things, if you read a lot, people have certainly gotten tired of it. In fact, there's an expression during this time that's come up more and more and more, and it's called crisis fatigue, a state of being overwhelmed by constant, unrelenting pressures. And we're, we're left wondering How in the world are we going to make it through this? Now, this morning, again, we all are sharing this experience called the coronavirus and and such. But I want you to think for some of you, maybe you have been dealing with something like a coronavirus much, much longer in your life. We're gonna look at Hebrews 12, one through two. And in this passage, the author of Hebrews really kind of gives us three key ideas. And that's first of all, he's gonna remind us of some of the best runners of the faith who suffered. Then he's gonna kind of coach us up with some great advice to help us run our best race. And the last thing he's gonna do is he's gonna show us how the world record holder of this race how that person ran. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12:1 through two. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So first of all, let's take a look at some of those past heroes of the faith. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, he talked about who those witnesses were back in Hebrews 11. And a lot of folks think that this cloud of witnesses is like a group of spectators up in the stand and they're kind of watching us run our our life's race. But really the idea here is they are not witnesses of us running our race, but to us. Now, let me tell you kind of what I think this means. All of these heroes of the faith that were mentioned back in Hebrews 11, they ran an amazing race. Some of them had problems that might be a little similar to us, such as Noah survived a massive climate change, probably the biggest one we've ever experienced. Joseph developed a disaster response plan for a whole region. Moses, he actually caused a major pandemic. Joshua replaced a beloved hero and relocated a whole new nation. Gideon defeated a massive army with just 300 men. David was in social isolation, not just for a couple of months, but for years. And Esther, although she's not mentioned in Hebrews 11, challenged government-sanctioned racial injustice. For those heroes of the faith, they knew what it was to suffer. There was so many problems that they encountered long before us. We're not the only ones who've experienced such difficult circumstances. As we think about handling what is to come, whatever that is, we want to look and see what's already been done and be encouraged by those great cloud of witnesses who have gone beyond us. And there's tons more, maybe family members that have passed on and, and such, who still are witnesses of the challenges that they overcame through God's help. But how'd they make it? You know, that's the real question. We can look back in the Bible and we can see, you know, that these folks were massive. You know, there must have been something unique about them. There must have been something special, something that, that was extraordinary. Well, it was true. What was extraordinary was God working in and through them. And that's true for us. But what did they really do to make it through what God had called them to do? That's the advice of the author of Hebrews. How do we best run this race that set out before us? Now in this, the author kind of gives us some let us's. So all of these are gonna begin with almost the stem of let us, let us do this, let us do that. And in fact, he says, let us also. And in that reference of let us also, he's saying just like those heroes of the faith, let us also do these particular things this advice, this coaching us up so that we can make it through what we're dealing with. He encourages us first of all to lay aside every weight. Now. Lay aside meaning to throw off, to take off, to get rid of. In the picture, you just saw Matt and I running, and i got to be really honest, we're trying not to carry much when we're running. We're trying to be as light as possible. And here, the author is saying, you want to lay that aside. You want to get rid of everything that you can. But the weight, what does the weight actually mean? The weight could be anything internal or external that slows us down. If it's slowing us down, whatever we're dealing with in life, that's what we want to get rid of. And it may not necessarily be just a bad thing. It might be a good thing where God really wants us to choose a better or a best thing. Sometimes it's the challenge of getting rid of what's good to be able to do what is better or best. Now, these could be external things, external weight such as in running like a big sweatshirt or your iPhone or or that kind of stuff. Or it could be internal weight. Now, I'm not really sure that I want to talk a whole lot about what internal weight that I need to get rid of, but it could be either one. The question is, you know, what could be this weight? Well, the truth is it could be anything and it could be everything. And the other thing we always need to keep in mind is what might be a weight for me may not be a weight for you. In this idea of what can be a weight, it could be anything under the sun. It could be a possession, a habit, a relationship, a mindset, maybe part of our family history, a family of origin issue, a physical condition. It could be anything. It's not necessarily something we've done wrong. We're gonna deal with that in just a, a few minutes, but it's something that slows us down. And we have two choices about what it is that is that weight. What do we do with it? The author says to lay it aside we can, number one, leave it, or we can lift it. Now, by leaving it, we mean, sometimes that might mean cutting a credit card or saying no to an opportunity or ending a relationship or whatever that weight is that's slowing us down. It means kind of putting it off, getting rid of it, taking it off or or dismissing it. But the second part of lifting it, sometimes there are some weights that we can't get rid of, especially if it involves maybe something that was from our family origins or something that is part of our identity. And sometimes what God calls us to do is instead of getting rid of it, if we can't get rid of it, to maybe lift it like we lift weights. In other words, trying to allow that, whatever weight it is, instead of becoming a weakness, to become a strength. It forces us to deal with it. It forces us to maybe get advice about it. Sometimes it forces us to get counseling about it, to learn that if we continue to lift it and certainly lifting it to God, but learning how to deal and manage it, that just like we lift weights, okay, with our body, whatever that thing is, isn't nearly as heavy over time if we've lifted weights and exercised well. In fact, what was so heavy maybe five years ago after working on that bad habit or whatever else, at this point, because we've dealt with it, because we've tried to do something about it and we've learned how to manage it, somehow it becomes easier and is much lighter. This idea of leaving and and laying aside a weight is easily reflected in Luke 1822. This is the story of the rich young ruler. And you remember the rich young ruler, he, he was very wealthy, he was very moral, all of those kind of things. And After a conversation with the rich young ruler, realizing that he had done most everything right, Jesus heard this and he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. For the rich young ruler, his riches were his weight. And that for him is what he needed to give up. So as we run this race, the first thing we want to identify is what's slowing us down. The second thing that we want to lay aside is the sin which clings so closely to us. And the image here of the author of Hebrews is that this is like clothes that would wrap up and entangle our legs. The sin that entangles us and causes us to fall and brings pain to ourselves and others. So remember, kind of there's a difference between a weight, okay? Maybe something that's not necessarily bad, but the sin, maybe that involves more of our choices to allow something to trip us up. And it's what causes us pain, and it's what causes us to fall. And it's probably what causes pain in the lives of others as well. In this case, our best option is to just take it off, to confess it, to get rid of it and that word repent to turn into a new direction. In Ephesians four twenty-two through 24, Paul says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. A weight slows us down. A sin is really what causes us pain. The third thing that we wanna do and to let us do is to run with endurance. You know, this isn't a sprint anymore, whatever it is, not just coronavirus. It probably has become this big marathon. And, And again, you may have been dealing with something like this for a year in your race, It might be the temporary job reassignment that became permanent. It might be the health issue that went from a simple surgery to an extended pain management plan. It may be that conflict with your spouse or your child or your parent that just won't go away. It might be a one-time mistake that's become an ingrained habit, and that habit now is so hard to break. You know, when we think about run with endurance, Races are won because runners commit again and again to take the next step. And when I think about endurance, it's not about looking and seeing how fast we can run the next 100 meters or how how fast can we run from here to the corner. It's about the constant continuous effort to take the next step and take the next step and deal with what just comes in the next five minutes, the next hour, the next day, and taking that, only that, for now. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. And boy, that is so hard for me to do and persistent in prayer. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus reminds us, therefore don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And here Jesus is saying, hey guys, focus on what is right in front of you for today. Run with endurance, look at what is your next step. And I really believe for all of us, We can do a next step. What's really hard is doing the next mile, the next five miles, the next 10 miles. Running with endurance just means you are committing to the next step. And when you get to the next step, you're gonna get to the next step and the next step. And that leads you to running a great race. He says in Hebrews 12, to run the race that is set before us. And I wanna focus on those two words, set and us. First of all, the word set means that it is the thing that is happening that God may be allowed or that he knew was gonna happen. You know, when I think about that word set, the race that is set, okay, my race, not anybody else's race, but my race, the one that's set in front of me. I am reminded that the one word you will never hear God say is oops. Whatever it is that we're experiencing, whatever the race is that we're running, He's not looking at us and saying, oh my goodness, hey guys, I didn't know that was gonna happen. The second part of running that race set before us is the recognition that we must run our own race and not worry about other runners. It is set before us. It is my race. It is not my wife's race, not my kid's race, not my boss's race, but it is mine. We wanna run the race that God has uniquely assigned to us and make sure that we're focused on that. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. He knew what works were going to be ours, that we should walk in them. We want to make sure we are running the race set before us. The last advice that the author of Hebrews wants to remind us is to look to Jesus. Let us fix our eyes. And these these words mean something a little different than just focusing on. In fact, it means turning our eyes away from something in order to focus on Jesus. So what is it that maybe in this race we shouldn't be focusing on? Well, as much as I've talked about the example of others and those witnesses, sometimes just because a witness has run it well, somebody before us has run it well, we can't focus too much on them because our race is a different race. We wanna see their example and see what they did but they still hide their race. We can't focus on the other runners. They're running their own race. We can't focus on the race itself because sometimes if I focus on my problem, the challenge, whatever it is, that can be overwhelming and distracting. It can make us doubt if we're really gonna make it. And we really don't need to be focusing on ourselves. The race can't be about us. It's about what Christ wants to do in and through us. In Micah 7, 7, it says this, but as for me, I will look to the Lord, not to anyone else in the past, in the future, right now, not even myself. I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Our eyes have to be fixed on Christ, first and foremost. Our race may be difficult, not because of the circumstances, but because of our choices. And we have to be reminded that as we think about this race, it could certainly be more about what we're not choosing to do right in the race than it is about the circumstances themselves. The author reminds us to handle what is to come we have to determine wisely what we're gonna focus on. And sometimes that's the hardest part of what we're doing. We've gotta stay focused on Jesus. But the question is, out of all the things to be focused on, why would we want to stay focused on Jesus? Why focused on Him? Well, the best reason is He's the one that ran the perfect human race. He laid aside the weight. He didn't have any sin. He ran the race before him and he always kept his focus, not necessarily on himself, but on what his father called him to do. He is the Olympic gold medalist. He is the world champion. He is the grand champion. He's the world record holder for running the perfect human race. It says, In verse two, that he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Founder meaning the author, the prince, the chief leader, the pace setter and perfecter being completer and finisher. He started the race, he finished the race. It was an excellent race. It was the perfect race. And he had a much harder race than anything I know I'm gonna run. In Revelation 1.8, he reminds us that I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He ran the perfect race. We need to focus on Jesus because he focused on the joy set before him. And, and those words don't make sense to me. When I think about what he did in the cross, I don't think about joy, sorrow, suffering, pain, loneliness, betrayal, humiliation. Yes, yes to all of those. I'm not thinking about joy that he focused on. What of the cross of, of, of his life was about joy? Well, in these verses, what it really means is, Jesus focused on the joy of knowing that on the other side of this horrible, difficult experience, there would be salvation for everyone. The joy would be in the victory over death and the power over evil for all time. It was redemption of the world. It was the payment of all of the sin debt for all of us. It was the satisfaction in knowing that all was set right and that he had accomplished his father's will. He knew that his victory would secure the victory for all time, for all men, and most importantly, for me. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the joy that he focused on. It says that he endured the cross, just like we were encouraged to run with endurance, mentioned in the verse above, He endured the cross because, and in in these verses, the word endured means to stay under, to withstand, to persevere. Endurance, we already talked about, is just taking that next step. Endurance is not just the ability to bear a hard thing, but to turn it into glory, as William Barclay reminds us. And 1 Peter 2.12, 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and to live to righteousness. He modeled what endurance means. He despised the shame of the cross. Just like we were told to lay aside every weight. The word despised here means to disregard or not think about. He, he didn't even focus on that for sure. And in 1 Peter 2, 23, he said, when he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. He didn't go back at his accusers. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Philippians 2, 8 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. He completely disregarded the shame of what the cross was. Why should we follow him? Most importantly, because he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's at the top of the podium. He won the gold medal. He is the gold medal. He is all of those things of perfectness though. We'll never be. 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22 says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. He already has won. As I read those verses, I think about, well, gosh, surely he could run a better life because he was perfect. I mean, his race, because of his perfection, he was able to run better than me. Of course, I mean, he was God. The truth of the gospel is when I choose to allow him to come into my life to take over It is all of those things that are his greatness and his glory that become part of me and empower me to be able to run my own race. Because he ran his race so well, his power enables me to be able to do the same. To handle what is to come, remember who is on the throne and remember who's inside of us. You know, there's a ton of great witnesses. And of course, Jesus, again, is the, the best witness of all of how to run a race. But this is my father-in-law, mother-in-law, Joe and Pat Woodmore, And Mr. Joe ran, and quite honestly, at age 83, is still running an amazing race. Let me tell you about his race. When he was four, he was diagnosed with polio. And what you can't see kind of down uh, off the picture is the fact that, that he wears a, a huge leg brace. Despite having polio, and, and he was in Warm Springs and and uh, the doctors there, he did multiple surgeries um, when he was a kid. Um, they told him he would only live to be 40. Um, and, and of course, he's, he's way beyond that, Um He had an amazing life. In fact, he lettered in two different sports despite having polio. Uh, He was a pitcher and and he was a tennis uh, player. He learned to walk with his back muscles and then at age 35, his back muscles gave out and he had to switch over to, to wearing a leg brace for the rest of his life. He sang in revivals all over North Georgia. Every year, despite... Him and, and his leg, not, it not doing what he wanted it to do every day. He had a huge garden. Um, he became a leader um, in his community, uh, first of all, in the, the Rotary Club in town. And then uh, for North Georgia, he was the, the district um, Rotarian or the district governor of Rotary, Rotary. During his time, he raised thousands of dollars as a part of that organization uh, to eradicate polio. In fact, he raised about half a million with the help of all of those Rotarians. He became a leader in the local, state, national organization of his church. Um, he uh, served on tons of committees, uh, had a great influence in the, in the larger part of his larger church. And although he couldn't run because of his polio, he ran a great, great race of faith And he's still running it at his age. Even right now, he's been working on a project in his church. uh, That's been a long one for four years um, that he's been trying to accomplish something. and, And we're praying that that's still gonna happen. For him, despite a heavy weight of a leg that never has worked well, he's ran and he's ran well. And when I see him, I'm always reminded of what kind of race that I need to run. This morning, as you think about your race, I hope you'll think about maybe what it's time to lay aside. What is it time to do to be able to make it effectively through your race? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for what you're at work doing in our lives. And and we even wanna say thank you for the challenge of what we thought was gonna be shorter, that maybe it's become longer because there is work that you want to do in us and through us. And Father, we thank you for being the example, the perfect example of running one of the most difficult races of all time, a race to a cross and conquering death and rising again. And it is that same power that enables us to run the race that you've asked us and that you've set before us right now. We thank you for your presence, for your example, for your advice, and for those who've been a great example to us for us to run our race. We thank you for the encouragement of that so that we can make it through what we are doing right now. In your name, amen. You know, there's some questions that this brings us to. I wonder what kind of examples of perseverance that may inspire you to help you to run your race. Might be somebody like Mr. Joe. Might be someone else uh, who's run a race before you that encourages you. I wonder what maybe the marathon is that God has set before you right now. I know what mine is. I know the challenges I have. I wonder what's maybe yours and have you acknowledged that it's even there? What change of focus do you need as you run your race? What have you been thinking more about maybe the circumstances than maybe the choices that you can make in the middle of your race? How does Jesus' response to the cross change how you respond to running your own race? Are you depending on him to work in and through you to be able to make it just even maybe another step. And then who can you share these truths with who may be struggling as they run their race? Certainly there are others that are around you that maybe are running a much more difficult race than yours. And maybe these words are the ones that can help them to make it as well. We hope that if you're having a difficult time running your race, we hope that you would choose to send us an email Contact us on social media, pick up the phone, give us a call. We would love to come alongside of you as you run your race, especially if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, to have that opportunity to maybe help you to know how you can begin a different race, a race that you can win. We would love to share that with you, and we would love for you to contact us so that we can help you know how you can make it just like so many in the Bible, and most importantly, our Heavenly Father made it through their races as well. Thanks for being with us.